is up, listeners? Welcome to Ringmasters Podcast, CM Life's exclusive wrestling WWE-focused podcast where we break down all kinds of news, rumors, give you updates, do some recaps. And we actually missed last week. Unfortunately, I came down with bronchitis last week and wasn't able to appear on the show. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't have a show last week, but we are back, and we've got two weeks of wrestling to recap, and we are going into Survivor Series coming up on the 22nd. I am pretty excited. Jameson, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm excited as well. We got uh, a lot to get to. Uh, exciting time right now. Definitely. We got some big news last night. I'm we talking did. about SmackDown specifically because there's <laughs> nothing else that happened. No, nothing happened that, that's, last that's night. That's the story I'm going with. We're just, we're Tuesday, just gonna... no, Tuesday, November 8th. Just SmackDown. I, Smack, that was it's, it was yeah. a good SmackDown Live. That's yeah. how I'm going to remember it. That's how I'm going to choose to remember things. You know what I mean? Yeah. But anyway, uh, we're actually going to start with some out-of-the-ring news. Um, got some fun little stories here. Um, if you've heard of the Mannequin Challenge, Jameson, you're a sports guy, so you've probably seen Oh, yeah. I've eight, seen a lot of Mannequin Challenge. It's, it's, I do like it, but it's unfortunate that a good song has now been ruined because it gets played over and over. I do like that song, Black Beatles, but it's, it's probably going to get ruined pretty quick because we hear it so often. But it, it's, it's, it's a good Mannequin Challenge. I like it. Yeah, and uh, NXT, the entire roster, well, Jericho and Sankara are hitting each other on tour buses. Uh, they And the entire roster did this mannequin challenge, and it was great. You got, like, Dan Matha about to mili- military press some guy onto Matt Bloom, the head trainer. Um, you've got, uh, like, the Gargano and Ciampa doing a glorious bomb. You've got uh, Sanity lurking in the background. Like, you have this whole training center full of people, some of them who are in the middle of lifting weights. They just hold the weight there without moving an inch. Uh, we've got people hanging off the ropes, and just the most athletically impressive mannequin challenge I think I've ever seen. So if you've not seen that, definitely give it a look, because it is awesome. I'm going to have to go check that out. Yeah, and on the other end of wrestling news, um, we have, unfortunately, we have a backstage fight. It was between Jericho and Sin Cara. Um, apparently happened on a tour bus. There have been conflicting reports coming out of what's been going on. Initial reports said Jericho was knocked unconscious, but Jericho actually denied that rumor. And apparently, uh, Sin Cara instigated a fight with Jericho. Um, apparently, he was being allowed on the tour bus and was asked to stop. And when Jericho confronted him, they got into a fight and it was quickly broken up. So This is not the first time that Sin Cara has had some uh, backstage issues with people. Same with Jericho. Yeah. Not the same time yeah. for both of them. Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Goldberg. Yeah. Sin Cara has supposedly beat up Sheamus backstage. But that it's is hard crazy. to believe. Yeah. Hard to believe. I mean, Jericho probably felt a little more confident standing up to Sin Cara than Brock. <laughs> yeah. But uh, either way, he will take on people of all sizes if you're irritating him. So let that be known. <laughs> but, but anyway, so that's some crazy backstage news that we've got. Um, let's. We got a lot of wrestling to recap. You yeah. want to start with Hell in a Cell? Let's do it. Let's let's jump right into Hell in a Cell. All right, let's do it. Hell in a Cell uh, happened at three main events. Yes. Uh, Jameson. You were right about everything. You, We made predictions two weeks ago yep. if you listened to that podcast, and he was right, I think, about every single one. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, Grant. And, but, I, um, and I was wrong. I'm just, I have a mind for the business. What can I say? You, you know what, man? You, you should be booking these <laughs> yeah. shows. Vince, you should be I should doing. be Vince's right-hand man yeah. right now. But, so, um, yeah, the three main events, there was a couple good ones and one that I didn't necessarily enjoy. Can I uh, guess what that yeah, is? Yeah, guess. I'm going to guess it's Reigns Rusev. Yeah, that yep. was the one that just didn't really um, do much for me. Um, that match, I felt like, was a, just another example of Roman Reigns um, being this just unbeatable figure when he's had his last hope, he's about to lose. He's got the chain in the end of this match wrapped around his face. This is the moment for Reigns to possibly, you know, have that moment to pass out. Like, he didn't give up, but he was just exhausted, and that's how Rusev wins. But no, somehow... Reigns breaks out of the the chain to the face, breaks out of the accolade, and wins the match. Um, I thought it was just uh, just another another Roman Reigns being pushed down everyone's throat moment. Yeah. The most my most just abysmally favorite part of the match because it was sad but amusing at the same time was when Roman started to break out of it, and that was the most murderous accolade you've ever seen apart from non Kalisto division, <laughs> apart from snapping him in half literally. Yes, uh, it was the most insane version of that movie could have possibly done and when people realized that Reigns was getting his feet under him they booed they started booing because they knew what was happening yeah and I think personally he might as well have just given him an attitude adjustment onto the steps at that point he might as well have just done it right but yeah. there was multiple times where the crowd I feel like booed in this match yeah and to be fair they worked the match and Rusev did everything right he controlled the pace he kicked the 
just the life out of him, man. Like, he kicked him in the face about eight times and threw him into steps, and they had all these really cool moments. Like, it started off slow, but I enjoyed it as it went on, and it just ended with just a thud. Yeah, it really did. The, the spear, it was, a, it was a nice spear from Reigns. I'll give him that. But other than that, yeah, just didn't move the needle. Yeah, no, see, it hurt more because he fell two feet farther down exactly, after the yeah. spear. Right, that, so it that's made it look the cool. mechanics. Yeah. But the accolade with a chain around your mouth, which that, probably really hurt a lot. And both been, of these guys got cut, too, in the fight. Yeah. And this, that should have been the ending. Yeah. It really should have. But it's Roman Reigns, man. They're do whatever they can to get him that victory. Do, yeah, and I'm one of those people who says, you know what? No, they, they realize what's going on with Roman Reigns, and they're, and they're trying to fix him. I've said that multiple times. I said that before this WrestleMania, and I said it again when Reigns got hit with a wellness policy violation and lost to Balor and lost to Rollins and, and other things. And But no, they're just waiting for that to wear off so they can get ready to push him again. It is the most cynical thing. Yeah, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to like a guy when, I mean, he's just the same thing happens. Seems like for the last three years, we're just getting Roman Reigns pushed as hard as possible, and we all know it. Yeah. It's hard uh, to like a guy like that. That's true. And I don't know if I've said this before, but the tragic thing here is that Roman Reigns was once the coolest man in the world. Yeah, he was. During the Shield, he was awesome. He was eliminating people from the Royal Rumble. People wanted him to win instead of Batista. Yep. And when that happened, then the next Royal Rumble after that, by that time they'd screwed him up so bad that he was getting booed. Yeah, he wins that. and nobody likes it. Yeah. Have they, Has there been a winner that anybody's liked in the Royal Rumble anytime recently? Triple H, honestly, because of the way they did it, Probably got a or he got a pretty good reaction. Okay, and that moment with Ambrose was hot when the crowd yeah. realized it was just the two of them. That's true. So that was good. It just feels like there's been a lot of Royal Rumbles where people aren't happy at the end. That's the new thing. It man. is. It's the new thing with the Royal Rumble. Whoever comes in is just gonna get booed. Like yeah. poor Rey Mysterio got booed <laughs> when they realized he wasn't Daniel Bryan. I felt so bad about that. Oh yeah, I do remember that. Goodness, yep. that's tough. But um, do you want to move on to the next main event? Yes. Um, there Not a lot happened outside the main events, or even no. really in them. No. Uh, so we're going to skip Bailey beating Dana Brooke, which was <laughs> just the right call, period. Um, Club got a win over Enzo and Cass. Um, all right, so Hell in a Cell match for the Universal Championship. It is Rollins versus Owens. And this was my favorite match of the night. Oh, man, this was, this was a great match. This was a complete opposite of what we saw in the first Hell in a Cell match of the night this was this was pretty incredible these two guys together I'm going to say something right now that I feel like Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins facing each other we could be seeing for many years here down the road I feel like this could possibly be the rivalry that um is in comparison with uh, a Stone Cold and the Rock kind of rivalry really I feel like Owens and Rollins in this generation I'm not saying they get to that hype. I mean, that's pretty pretty hard shoes to fill. But in this generation, Owens-Rollins might be the closest thing we have to that in the next five years. Wow. That's a bold prediction. I mean, to be fair, they tore the house down. They did. In the best Hell in a Cell match and best match period of the night, um, and the best one I've seen in a little while. Uh, this was brutal, but appropriately so. Um, and Owens was ripping the kinesio tape off his back. Rollins lost his gum at one point, and Owens put it in his mouth and spit it out. Like, Owens finally got to be the ruthless heel that people think he is. I think the ending was a little overbooked, and Seth Rollins went a little too John Cena mode at the end, but he shut him down with the powerbomb. But apart from that, and Rollins not selling his back as well as I thought he should have, because the the apron powerbomb, because I'm an NXT guy, when it happened to Sami Zayn, it was devastating. Like, it screwed him up. It was the basis for this whole storyline. And he gets over in about six days. And I just I just don't think they should diminish the impact of something like that. But I can't get too bent out of shape about it because I really like the match too. So Yeah, it was a it was a great match. And I know what you're talking about. It seems like uh the back didn't seem to bother Rollins too much in that match. But the spot through the tables <coughs> was pretty incredible as well. Just all around these guys, uh man, that was a that was a fun match to watch. I could watch these guys wrestle every day of the week. And of course Jericho got involved. We knew that was gonna happen some way. Um and pretty much became a two two versus one match in this one and and uh, Owens came out on top. Yeah. Uh, am I the only one who liked at least if they're gonna put Jericho in there, which we both knew was gonna happen. Yeah. E- everybody knew it was gonna happen, but I at least liked that 
Owens played it off like it was a complete accident. He accidentally <laughs> sprayed the guy in the face, and yeah. it looked like an accident. And there was this brief bit where they cut the audio, where somebody sw- yep. somebody curses and yep. they cut it, and it, it looks enough like an accident to at least fool dumb WWE referees into doing that. So at least it wasn't just Jericho tearing the cage apart or right. something happening. So I at least appreciated that they took a moment to do it. So yeah, it worked. Yeah. Everything. This match had everything. I mean, the 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 fire extinguisher moment that worked. This the door being left wide open. Jericho go, comes in, locks the door. Yeah, just this match. Uh, this match had it all. This is uh, one of the best matches I've watched in a while. I think. Oh yeah, no, great stuff from both guys. So all right, so coming closing in on the last Hell in a Cell match, which I was very happy was the main event. Um, we've got T.J. Perkins losing because he's stupid. Kendrick, uh, we've got tag team championship match, which also ended stupidly. Um, we've got, and then the main event. So let's talk about this main event. Jameson, I want to hear your thoughts. This was a good main event. I agree that this this deserved to be the last match of the night. Um, these women deserve that. Sasha Banks and Charlotte, this thing starts just uh, incredibly. Um, they have a spot where they're both climbing up the cage and that power bomb that Charlotte um, puts Sasha through the table with was just devastating. That looked like it really hurt. I mean, I wouldn't want to take a spot like that. And, man, did Sasha go through that table with some force. But then they they do the whole stretcher bit. Um, maybe a little overdone with the stretcher. She was on there a while. And, it, I mean, I, I I was for a second I didn't realize, is, is this match going to continue? They're really not going to do this, are they? And they didn't, but man, this match, this I, it exceeded my expectations for these two. And uh, it had about everything, as well as the match did before. I loved it. Um, like I said, Sasha was, or uh, Charlotte was going to get that title back. They're, they're building that title reign. Um, but I, I, was, I was really impressed with these two. <coughs> yeah, did you hear the rumor that the, the title change, or the lack of title change was actually decided that day? Really? Yeah, like Sasha was supposed to win it. And then Vince McMahon changes mind like the day of or the day before. I'm sure that's not the first time that's happened. No, it's that was nuts. I was like, there. I did not see that ending coming. Um, yeah, I'd like to talk about this match a little bit more because I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the first half a lot. It was a really well constructed match, and it was really athletic, and there was a lot of real danger. But then I feel like it kind of went off the rails a little bit. There was a spot where Charlotte was clearly supposed to fall back through a table. And she looked like she hesitated and then just kind of plunked through it. Mm -hmm. And it deflated the crowd a bit. And then, as opposed to Sasha, who throws herself through everything, but she weighs nothing, so she can't get through a table. And then it just ends with natural selection, uh, which I think was an audible, or at least it sounded like, because there was a period of time where they were talking to each other for a long time. So I, I enjoyed the match overall. I'd like to see them work a match with less risks, like just tell them to do normal spots but just have a lot of good emotion and storytelling because these are good matches but it's getting to the point where I don't want to see as many mistakes in them because they were pretty prevalent here I don't know well I think that this match being the first women's hell in a cell match they weren't going to go like the normal route they wanted to have these spots they wanted to take risks and like you see some of them weren't um you know executed perfectly but I, I feel like this was a match that needed kind of things like that and even though the ending, you might, like you said, might have been an audible, I still think it worked. I was, I wasn't disappointed or I wasn't upset with how the ending happened. And I feel like this kind of match, the first time ever we see women in a Hell in a Cell, it needed a little bit of uh, some some risk reward opportunities. Yeah, no, that makes sense. If there's any women I'd want to see in the first Hell in a Cell, it's these two. And they did it. Don't get me wrong, they did a great job. But I feel like people aren't really talking about some of the stuff that they aren't great at yet. It's just you know finding the best way to do these spots and finding the best way to make them all work together. But I loved a bunch of them. I loved Sasha just hitting her with a chair when she tried to get her in a figure four. Chair shots, uh, women on women is something we <laughs> never see no. uh, ever. So that was really, really good. Uh, the double knees off the side of the cage to Charlotte looked like it killed her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, just good stuff all around there. These yeah. women, uh, they, they put it all out there. Yeah, so that was that was really great. Uh, my only wish, besides uh, a couple just really nitpicky things, because these two are really good, uh, is just that they had built it up as the main event from the very beginning and not build it as one of three. Because I think if you're going to have something historical like that, 
you need you need to promote it properly, but I, yeah, I the, don't know. I don't know why, but WWE's getting this thing where they they throw them. They like to say more main events, or they're throwing the main event at the beginning or in the middle. SmackDown this week, there was a main event in the middle of the show. I, I, main events are the last match that go on. I've said this on this podcast many times, but yeah, yeah that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Do do your Triple H impression. Like there's a, there's a main event. <laughs> well, it's just every single match is a main. Yeah, event. Well, uh, they're all main event. There are two main. I, I can't I can't do his voice. <laughs> I can only do the uh, the Rock that one time he cut a promo. The game uh, gonna go to the middle of the ring. Uh, like just. <laughs> That's not him at all, though. So no. no. All right. What are we talking about? All right. So Hell in a Cell happened. Uh, overall, uh, middle of the, good show. Good show. Middle of the road uh, because you had a lot on the positive end and a lot on the negative end. But overall, solid show. Um, not too much happened last week. But there's something that you wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, Goldberg returns on Raw for the second time after the week of Brock Lesnar and Heyman's debacle of a a promo and Goldberg returns and I had some issues with this one um really yeah I mean I don't understand bringing Rusev out in this situation um they couldn't pick any other I realize they want a big guy for Goldberg to to throw the jackhammer on um but Rusev I mean there there wasn't any other bigger guys that could job for Goldberg in that segment I don't. I didn't understand that. Rusev's had you know a lot of good matches. He's doing a lot of good things lately, and then he comes out to Goldberg, who, I mean, he's he's over fifty. This is a guy that's. Uh, I mean, he's an he's older dude, and he couldn't even get a punch in on him. He he takes the jackhammer. I felt like there could have been a different guy for that spot, but in Goldberg's perspective, I listened to an interview with him not that long ago um, after this happened, and he wasn't he wasn't sharp. Um, he fell once in the ring when he was giving the knees to Rusev. Yeah, he got a little excited. He did. Um, and then he didn't hit the spear clean um, on Heyman. And he was pretty critical with himself on that. When In the interview that I listened to, he was um, he was upset with that. But, you know, it's his first time doing anything physical inside the ring in that environment. So I guess you give him a break. But he expects this match against uh, Brock Lesnar to be stiff. And he expects to go to the hospital, uh, his words. So... <laughs> Yeah, that's that's my take on Goldberg. But uh, what do you think about the whole segment? <coughs> Joking on it. Uh, anyway, um, I when I first watched this, I hated it because I love Rusev, and you're slowly joining me on Team Rusev all the mm-hmm. time now, uh, and he's great. And I was really sad to watch it happen to him. But watching it again, uh, I watched the highlight Fan Nation version of it afterwards just to see because like, did I really hate it that much? And I didn't. And I think the difference is for me that uh, is realizing that they that Heyman and Lesnar blew it, and I don't, I'm not going to blame either of them. It was not the right call to make with that crowd, but they at least attempted to correct it this week by having Heyman come out there, punk everybody, and th- make them think that Brock Lesnar was there, which he wasn't because Brock doesn't care. <laughs> and then Goldberg comes out, uh, he can't, already came out, and he's upset now. And then you get Rusev to come out there. And he figuratively gets revenge on Heyman, who is figuratively getting revenge on the crowd for rejecting him, which they didn't. So it's a lot of complex fake storytelling stuff going on, but I at least appreciate that they didn't do it as horribly as they had the previous week, and they at least tried to amend some things. Um, So yeah, uh, I didn't mind it too much. Uh, I hope Goldberg doesn't go to the hospital. I hope... (laughs) I sort of want wrestling to be fake for a little while, <laughs> at least until because Itami, uh, Hideo Itami, and Austin Aries just got injured. That's a match that was going to happen probably at Takeover Toronto, and that's now scrapped, and because both guys are out, and just I don't know. I just sort of want them to be careful. Well, I mean Goldberg's style back when he used to wrestle was pretty stiff, and Lesnar's always stiff, so it's uh, it's going to be. It's, I think it's going to be a brutal match myself, but it was cool. Even though it wasn't perfect, I, it was cool to see some uh, some hype Goldberg uh, dis- destruction inside uh, a WWE ring. So that was pretty cool. But um, yeah, I'm excited for these two. And then next week on Raw, we get to see Brock Lesnar and Goldberg face to face. So uh, that should be some good stuff. It it should be if they do it right. Part of me thinks it's a mistake. I sort of want the first face off to be at the actual show. Interesting. Okay. But uh, I don't know. They almost can't do worse from what they did. So, and I think they got to keep Raw interesting as a way they 
why they bring in these two together on Raw. Right. And, yeah, I just I just don't know. I just got a bad feeling about this match. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's just... Because Goldberg's 50 and... Yeah, maybe it's that. Maybe it's just the fact that Brock doesn't want to do anything except for suplexes, just dump you on the back of your head and neck. Maybe it's the fact that Goldberg's 50. Maybe it's... The, I know, I actually really like the build. The backstage interviews they do. They do some this week. They are brilliant. Mm-hmm. It is Brock telling Goldberg's kids not to watch. His wife and kid, don't watch, because I'm going to destroy your dad and put him in the hospital, which is wonderful. Yeah. So the build has been really great, but just a little bit of apprehension there. But hopefully we can get rid of some of that next week, then, if they're going to do that segment. So I'll be optimistic about it. Good. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Hopefully it works out. Yes, we shall I see. I want this feud to work... As as well as it can, I would hate to see this match uh, be a dud. But yeah, that would that would really be uh, like Orton Lesnar, and then this yeah. that'd be a stiff one-two punch right there. But anyway, so you want to talk about this week's wrestling? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so Raw was uh, taped this week, so we got some spoilers ahead of time, or at least I did. Um, but it was the same show. Open with um, Stephanie McMahon, and we're addressing Survivor Series, finally. We're talking about this team. Uh, Roman Reigns, Kevin Owens, Braun Strowman, and Chris Jericho. She then announced that Seth Rollins would be the final member of this team and put them in what ended up being our main event, which is the Fatal Five-Way, which Owens won completely on accident. Uh, Jameson, can you explain the physics of Owens' win? (laughs) Well, he takes a Superman punch from Reigns, and... Y2J, Chris Jericho just happens to be laying on the ground right where Owens falls when he gets knocked out by that Superman punch. And Owens pins Chris Jericho, one, two, three. So Chris Chris Jericho takes the fall there, and uh, Kevin Owens pins his best friend for the win. But that was an interesting ending. I I didn't mind this match. There's a lot going on in a... a, uh, a fatal five way, but it was it was at least nice to see some some wrestling in this show. I feel like Monday Night Raw was seventy um, percent talking and thirty percent wrestling this week. I know they had to build up all this Survivor Series stuff, but man, some of these segments, I just was like, man, this this is going way too long. And one in particular um, with the tag team, the Raw tag team members with the New Day, and that la- that's that segment lasted way too long for me, but. Let's let's just get into it, man. Because okay. this this really bothered me too. Um, man, I don't. It was just bad. Like, I I think that I'm like I'm shocked that everybody doesn't realize that the new day are no longer able to be entertaining in the way that they're being used. Now, I, I yeah, I love all three guys and I think they're great, but they this is too many weeks that they've been the worst part of the show. It's oversaturation. We see it too much, and that's why it's just getting annoying. At this point, and and what there's ten guys in the ring, pretty much at this point for this tag team thing. It's just yeah, it was just a lot going on, and I was getting I was getting pretty annoyed with this segment and just waiting for it to end. And then the match didn't do anything for me really either. So no, am I the only one who thought that uh, apart from just the fact that the champions got pinned, which I was so sick. It happened three times on this show. Three champions got pinned. Kendrick got pinned. Um, who was it who took the magic killer? Um, somebody from the New Day took a magic killer. One of them. Got yeah. pinned. And then Charlotte got pinned. And the only champion actually pinned somebody did it completely on accident, and that was Owens. <laughs> Looks like a chump getting knocked out by a Superman punch falling onto his best friend. So if the most worthless people in the world are holding all of your championships, then why are we supposed to care about <laughs> what happens with your championships? And how often are we talking about that? It they bothers do, me so much. They did it four times, man. They do it every week, it seems like now. Yeah, they, uh, they're not building up their champions if they're losing every week. Yeah, no. You're right. It, it just it, it makes no sense to me. It's right, it's right up there with um, a close second to this is having the same match you're going to have on a pay-per-view the same Monday night. It's like that makes no sense to me. It doesn't build up anybody. No, and it, it <coughs> that irritates me as well when we're seeing the same match that we just saw at a pay-per-view. It irritated me more when I was buying pay-per-views for $60 and then I'm seeing the same match for free on Monday. Now that it's it's only 9.99, it's it's a little more easy to take, but still. Yeah, I don't I don't enjoy seeing the same match that we just saw the night before on a pay-per-view. Yeah, imagine if the Nitro you grew up with did that. <laughs> like, yeah, here's uh yeah, here's uh, DDP and Goldberg. They're just going to do it on Nitro. Then they're going to do it again on the pay-per-view. 
What? Yeah, it wouldn't. It wouldn't work. It yeah. wouldn't work. It makes everybody look like chumps. Mm-hmm. And what I told myself after this week's show, because it just brought me to the point of existential despair, um, I just said, "Remember, these are some of the most talented people in the world, and it is a real shame that they're never asked to be." You know what I mean? Yeah. Like these people are all great and can be made to look even better, but they just insist on making them less than the sum of their parts somehow, and it really bothers me. Yeah, I don't know if we're ever going to see the end, I mean, of, of New Day. They just might hold the titles for eternity at this point. Yeah. Okay, so we brought up NXT, and I'll bring it up later too because the event of the weekend is going to be TakeOver Toronto on the 19th. But uh, what I want to talk about is the my fantasy booking for the New Day and their title reign. Okay. I want them to, one day before they're set to break Demolition's record, I want the Revival, who are the NXT Tag Team Champions, to come up and take their belts away from them one day before they break the record. Now, how great would it be if they did that? Because the New Day would have motivation immemorial. Like, they could turn heel, they could be fired up baby faces, they could want to get back at these jerks, and not only would they take the titles from them, but they'd take something that they could probably never regain again, because they're never going to hold the title for that many days in a row. No. How unpredictable would that be? That would be pretty amazing. That would be shocking, actually. You've had the titles on these guys for this long, and then the day before they they're gonna beat the all-time record. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect that. And they're never gonna do it. So this is all just okay. conjecture. But how great would that be if you just had you immediately establish the revival as important people? If you're gonna call people up from NXT, uh, you make the new day motivated. You can turn them heel if you want, uh, and you can shake up the division because it's pretty clear that. We are in a holding pattern. They're just going to lose non-title matches and fight singles matches with other tag teams uh, and then win at the pay-per-views just forever, I guess. Do you think that's the next call-up from NXT to the main roster? The Revival? Yeah. God, I hope not. Okay. The the roster would ruin them. They are... Their gimmick... Are you familiar with their gimmick? No. No, I'm not not an NXT guy. All right. I'm a main roster guy, but I've heard good things. I'll I'll, I'll convert you someday. But... (laughs) Their gimmick is that they are these old-school, southern-style wrestlers. They're like, okay, you know, no flips, just fists. Like, we don't do anything fancy, we're just going to hit you. And they work this fast-paced heel style. Their matches start off really meticulous, but they don't even cheat to win. Their timing is just so good. Like, for instance, you know that uh, American Alpha has the Grand Amplitude? Uh, They put one of them up for it, and he pushed his friend out of the way. And then they did the finisher reversal with uh, the Shatter Machine, the Revival's finisher after that in about 10 seconds. They just have these hugely exciting matches, and they're just jerks about how good they are. Like, individually, they're pretty bland and unexceptional, but they understand the timing of a tag team very well. Like, it always seems like there's two of them versus one of you. And they have these really well-put-together matches, but I don't think that gimmick would come across. I think we'd see them getting rolled up by, like, Enzo and Cass on week two of them being called up, so... Kind of like the Von Villains when they got called up didn't. Yeah, didn't the, these translate. are head and shoulders above the Von Villains. Okay. Even yeah. though the Von Villains are more entertaining from a sports entertainment angle, these guys are just pure wrestling. But I just don't think I know a lot of people like them, but in, in the company too. But I just don't foresee good things about that. But let's get back to actual. Okay. I'm sorry, that went on for way no, you, too long. You, you get you get one NXT segment a week. That's fine. yeah. That, that's 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 the one I've been allotted <laughs> for this week. Yeah. So. All right, so anything good happen on Raw? Um, well, what were your what were your takeaways from the main event that that Fatal Five way? I also liked the match. It was fun. Uh, I thought the ending was really stupid, but I I thought the match itself was fun. Um, I didn't have any problem with that. Um, I really don't have too much to say about it. I liked Sami Zayn versus Rusev. That was a good match. Uh, poor Rusev looks just depressed out there. Yeah. But uh, if there's any one guy who might either take a championship to this show or go to another show to become a more important player, Sami Zayn's the guy because he's been floating forever now since Battleground. So I'm glad they're doing something with him. Yeah. So, um, what I mean, what's going to happen, though, if if Zayn does win that <coughs> match? I mean, SmackDown's going to lose a title? No, I think WWE should have told us what that <laughs> means. Like, what that, that really diminishes... SmackDown's worth. I mean, now they would they really would only have the 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 world championship, right? I yeah. mean, you can't take away the Intercontinental Championship from SmackDown. Yeah, that's the well they have the SmackDown women's title and the SmackDown tag titles. Well, yeah. But that's the only 
one that's existed but for, prior to the brand split. For men's single division. Yeah, that's the only other title. Right. So that it's got to stay there, you would think. But If it comes to Raw, I will be pissed. So that, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be happy with that either. No, you and partly that's been the most compelling story on all of WWE programming is the Miz Ziggler Bryan. It's almost a three-sided feud, but it's mostly just the Miz feuding with Bryan and Ziggler separately. But that's been the consistently the most compelling part of the entire week. So don't take that to Monday Night Raw and put it in between Golden Truth segments. Like, don't <laughs> don't do that. No, we don't want that. Yeah, we don't want that. Honestly. Uh, We'll get to predictions next week. Okay. But yeah. I, I think the best thing that could possibly happen is for SmackDown to sweep it. Sweep this tournament. Really? Take everything with them. Take the Cruiserweights with them because Kalisto is getting a match with yeah. uh, Brian Kendrick. Yep. And uh, take the Cruiserweights with them. Take the IC title and Zayn with them. Uh, so you want Zayn to go over to SmackDown? Though? I'm hoping that's what happens. Okay. But I, I honestly don't know if they know what they're going to do yet. So... I don't know, man. What what do you think of all this Survivor Series stuff? Well, um, I I'd, I'd be shocked if, <coughs> if SmackDown swept the show. That would be that yeah, would no, be that's surprising. never gonna happen. No, that would so. be surprising to me. Um, I'm intrigued though. I, I think this is uh, these matches will be good. The women's the women's uh, match will be good. I think they're uh, they got a lot to go in there. Um, the men's match when when Shane McMahon got introduced at the end of SmackDown this week as the fifth member of that team. That makes that match um, pretty pretty exciting to watch, or a lot of anticipation for that match. We haven't seen Shane McMahon wrestle since he wrestled The Undertaker at WrestleMania. That's that's something to look forward to in my eyes. That's that's going to be a good match as well, I believe. Yeah. See, the difference between SmackDown and Raw right now, they're both in a holding pattern. They're both just holding on until Survivor Series, and not much is going to happen until then. And then we might see some things, but whatever. But the difference is SmackDown has James Ellsworth in the middle of this whole picture, and he's sort of a wild card good guy who everybody likes and is adorable, but he doesn't stand a chance. Then you have Shane McMahon, who everybody loves, but stands only slightly more of a chance than Ellsworth. So you at least have them trying to make it interesting with the characters that they're bringing in, and they're at least not just doing, I don't know what it is, just this this sense of optimism that I have about SmackDown where I feel like they're actually doing the best with what they have and not just sticking their heads in the sand. But Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, like, I mean, we say every week, SmackDown's show is usually better. I mean, if we were going head-to-head SmackDown versus Raw, I feel like SmackDown would be leading right now since the brand extension. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, I'd say so, um, especially right off the gate from the brand extension. It took a couple of weeks, and then it got really good, and then we had Backlash, which was awesome, and then No Mercy, which was really good. And then it's kind of been cooling off a little bit, but it's still good. It's still only two hours. It still has a great talk show afterwards. So, yeah. And SmackDown has turned into the James Ellsworth show. Yeah. He is he's right there in the main storyline, main event storyline. James Ellsworth is probably, might be the most important character on SmackDown the last couple of weeks. Yeah, apart from Styles, he is. Yeah. Um, He's good. He's doing the best uh, he knows how to do too with the material. I, I, I agree. I trust him in some of those segments more than I trust like Titus O'Neil if he was oh, yeah. out there doing it. But uh, I, you know, I really liked what they did with the main event of SmackDown too. I guess this is now a good time to talk about that. Um, it was a uh, six-man tag, which I always like. Those are always a lot of fun. It was Wyatt Orton and Harper. Uh, versus Ellsworth, Ambrose, and Kane. Ellsworth tagged in after he got the crowd hyped up, so he tagged him, tagged in, missed the no chin music, and got pinned. So, I uh, I honestly thought that was great because he should not be pinning Bray Wyatt. No. So, and you knew he was going to get in the match eventually, but um, with the, with Ellsworth there, he, he's not the best on mic on the on mic work, but you you can tell SmackDown's using him the right way, or the WWE's using him the right way. When he um, he starts to you know do something on mic or do something that's okay not as compelling, they bring him back a little bit. They know where to use him and how much to use him in that spot. And I think they're doing a great job with it. I mean, he's uh, he's over. He's definitely oh, yeah. and for for him, I don't know where where exactly he was before all this, but he's doing a pretty good job handling this whole situation. But uh, I I did like the main event. Can we let, let, can we talk about the Wyatt family real quick and Randy the, Orton? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. 
We haven't mentioned, we haven't really talked about that too much on this show. <laughs> no, not at all. No. Um, <laughs> this is, this is, um, I was pretty shocked <coughs> or surprised that uh, Orton, um, you know, did this and, and went to the, the dark side. But the more I've watched it the last couple of weeks, uh, I think this could work. I think I'm not against Orton being a part of this Wyatt family. If you think of Randy Orton, a third generation superstar, and some of the factions that he's been in in his career, um, big time factions. I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's evolution, evolution, legacy. legacy. He's done it all. And youngest WWE champion ever. This guy's done everything, but he's he seems like in the last couple of years he's been stuck in this just boring state. You know, they don't really have a whole lot to do with him. And I feel like this could push him higher than he's been in a long time. I feel like that dark side of Randy Orton, this could work, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like it could work if they start treating the Wyatts better also because they're not going to elevate one without elevating all three guys. And poor Luke Harper is just stuck there. But I think they're either going to make all three of them look like a joke or and, and Eric, oh, Eric Rowan's injured, but... Or they're going to make all three of them look like a million bucks finally. But I've been saying that for two years with Bray Wyatt, and he just loses everything. So I hope that nobody gets brought down further by it. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I see where you're coming from. I'm just not quite as optimistic because I know how they treat Bray Wyatt is my only concern. I can see them. I could see possibly Luke Harper turning on them. I, I, I could see this being a Randy Bray show. Because if you, if you noticed in SmackDown there um, – I think it was two weeks ago now, where Luke Harper is, you know, he's a little, you know, skeptical of what Randy Orton's doing right now, and he is he taking my spot in this whole thing? So I could see Luke Harper turning on the Wyatt family, but um, yeah, I guess we're gonna have to see. They're they're starting to, uh, you know, go with the the supernatural stuff mm-hmm. a little bit more. If they that could that could get silly, like you said, this could this could turn out bad. But if they Use that and and go with it and and don't look back. It could work. Yeah, I'd say if you're gonna do it, you go all in. All like in, you yeah. don't have spooky backstage segments. You have spooky supernatural pre-taped, well-produced, exactly. Lots of smoke and special <laughs> effects segments. Like you turn Randy Orton into an actual snake, like you did yeah. with the Rock from the Scorpion King, only not terrible. And did you see that movie? No, never saw Scorpion King. It's okay. And uh, <laughs> didn't miss anything. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, and you just you just go all out. You know what I mean? You you just gotta do something fun with it and elevate the guys, cause they need it. I mean, all three of them do. Luke Harper just came back from injury. Uh, Bray Wyatt j- recently came back from injury, but he's been dealing with the most boring feud in the world, and so is Randy Orton, who looked like a chump at SummerSlam. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just really optimistic for what they're gonna do with all the guys, because they can instantly uh, make any of them really compelling characters. And if we get a babyface Luke Harper who turns on both of them, that would be awesome for me. I'd love to yeah, see that. I think he could. That'd be pretty cool to see. He could. He could be a babyface. He could work that out. Have a feud with his uh, his brothers, I guess. Oh yeah, no, that could be cool. But uh, we will just have to wait and see. But we did have a championship match on SmackDown, a women's title match, which I really liked. Uh, it was <laughs> Becky Lynch and Alexa Bliss that they've been trying to have for a little while now. Uh, Lynch was very over. Um, with his crowd, and she retained with a disarmor, but Alexa had her foot on the ropes, but the referee didn't notice and counted the bin and counted the uh, submission. But. Referee missed it. Yeah, this was a good match, and I was really impressed with Alexa Bliss. I think she continues to get better every time she's in the ring, every time she's on the mic. I think Alexa Bliss is is getting a lot better every time she's out there. And that was my takeaway from this match. Becky looked like Becky. She's she's been great for a while. She deserved to to keep the title for sure. But um, I was I I was really impressed with what Alexa did in this match. Definitely, she's been getting a lot better. I think of all of the younger uh, women's division call ups, uh, like Carmella hasn't been doing as good. Nia Jax has actually been doing very good uh, with what they've given her. But Alexa Bliss has definitely made the most out of it. I know she's also been you know she's been given the title opportunity, but she looks as good as she's ever been in the ring in terms of her ring work. And I think she has the mic work to keep going forward. Maybe they should loosen the collar on these promos a little bit. But I definitely think she has what it takes. And it wasn't time to make her champion, which I'm glad they didn't do. But they showed that she was ready. So I just love that we just got a 
solid women's wrestling match. Yeah, it was solid. And um, yeah, I agree with you there. I disagree with your little shot at um, Carmella. I think yeah. Carmella's doing fine. Yeah, I, I, do, I like Carmella a lot, but she she's good. But they need to get they need to give her more. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I've I've I watched her in NXT, and I've never been a huge fan of Carmella in the ring. So maybe I'm biased that way. Okay. But no, That's she fair. she hasn't really been. She mostly just jumping Nikki Bella. Yeah. Is yeah. what she's been doing, which is always <laughs> it's entertaining. Yeah, it's always entertaining. <laughs> but anyway. Um, you know what? Okay, I want to say something about Becky Lynch because okay. I, I always talk about how much I love Becky Lynch because she's really quirky and fun, but it doesn't—it doesn't always come across in the dumb way that WWE wants people to do promos. But she is a lot of fun, and what I like the most about her is that she's just as good as the other three horsewomen—Bailey, uh, Sasha, or Charlotte—but she doesn't take as many risks as Sasha Charlotte. Um, she wrestles safely, but with a lot of emotion. And she can really work hard in the ring, and she's she's the gluest, the glueiest of glue. <laughs> she sticks. She makes things work. Like she controls the pace of a match really well, even when she's the babyface. Like she helps with other people working through their spots. Like the triple threat at WrestleMania, uh, they did a lot of good spots, but there were a lot of mess ups too. And I think Lynch held it together because it was just Sasha and Charlotte going nuts, and it was Becky Lynch being in the middle of it. And so she's able to ground things very well. Uh, sort of like, not in the same way, but a similar role as like Cesaro. He can just control the pace of things. Not not the, not the in, with the insane strength and everything, but you get someone in there who just controls the pace and is entertaining, but you're not worried that they're going to kill themselves too. Right. So I just that's just something I, I noticed. It took hell in a cell to make me notice it, but this is... And imagine yeah. that Grant found a way to compare Becky Lynch, his favorite women's wrestler, to Cesaro, his favorite... Man wrestler, that's just great stuff from Grant. What a coincidence. What a coincidence. (laughs) Who would have thought? Yeah, who would have thought? But, uh, I mean, you know, Cesaro did get to call Seamus stupid this week, so I guess that's... You were peppy about that, I'm sure. I was was really upset. No, okay. We're not going to get too much more into uh, that because we've discussed it to death. (laughs) But, anyway, um, anything else happened on the show? I mean, we got... what was your... Did did you... uh, do you like Shane McMahon being on this Survivor Series team for SmackDown? Yeah, I'm all for it. Um, you know, he, you know, he's there's any guy who's gonna take insane bumps and deliver the most little brother punches you've ever seen. Uh, it's Shane McMahon, and I think people are gonna be really happy to see him, and he's gonna bring some humanity into it because it's mostly just been okay. I'm gonna make you guys fight, and you're gonna fight, and then you're gonna fight each other. This this buildup has been very back and forth. But you need one guy in there who the fans care about unconditionally almost. Mm-hmm. And not to say that they don't care about the other guys, but Shane McMahon, like his history in the business and WrestleMania and with Kurt Angle and with Kane and all the stuff that he's done, he just has a more personal connection with a lot than a lot of these guys do. So I'm all for it. I thought taking Baron Corbin out by making him injure himself was stupid. Yeah. They could have done that a better way. Yeah, they could have just said, had him say, like, no, I'm a lone wolf, I'm not going to be part of your team, and then he walks away. That would have made sense. Yeah, <laughs> but no, he had to just bust up his knee. Trip off the apron and awkwardly. While beating up Kalisto. And then Kalisto's uh, vicious attempt at his knee, that looked like it actually did hurt. But um, I appreciated that. Because it was a story. Yeah, in, in kayfabe, technically, he did hurt Kalisto like right. eight months ago, but or whenever we last saw him, yeah. so... Um, yeah, I was I was excited to see Baron Corbin in a big match like this because I like Baron Corbin. I think he's a, a big future of this company. But I'm <coughs> I'm completely fine with Shane McMahon getting in there. That brings uh, a lot of interest to this match. Yeah, yeah, I'd say like the that's what I like about the whole SmackDown build is that there's seems like there's a lot of humanity in their side. Like we've got people that we know, like Becky Lynch, or we've got uh, Rhino and Heath Slater. Uh, we, we've heard that we've seen their whole story or we've seen enough of it for it to matter. And AJ Styles, who was really good on the mic, he's been really killing it with the charisma recently. Um, yeah. So I, and then you've got Ambrose who could turn heel, but we're not sure. And like, you've got all these different, uh, really interesting characters coming together. So I really just, I appreciate the way that they're doing it. So. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, overall, if we're if we're looking at wrestling as a whole this week, I think there was too much talking. There, I realized they're they're building these survivors. I just I couldn't I couldn't get through the talking segments. And I myself, 
as you know, I, I love a good talking promo to oh, start yeah. the show. No, you always get on my case about not liking these Exactly. I, I love the, the talking segments, but this week, man, there was just so many people in the ring and too much just craziness. I didn't enjoy them. Um, but with that being said, this upcoming week of wrestling, there's a lot to look forward to. Uh, we get Raw, Goldberg, and, and Brock Lesnar in the ring together. We'll see how that works. And then the 900th episode of SmackDown. Yes. And we get uh, The Edge is coming back. We get the Cutting Edge and The Return of the Undertaker, who we haven't seen since WrestleMania. So it's going to be a good upcoming week of wrestling. And we get an IC title match between Ziggler and The Miz announced this week. So that is all very exciting. Mm-hmm. So that is really, really cool. Uh, we actually have a new show that's been announced, too. Have you heard about this? It's 205 Live, I think is their tentative name for it. It's um, not Raw Talk? No, no. Oh, it's okay. not Raw. I have not watched Raw Talk <laughs> uh, yet. No? I can't. Three hours is a lot, and an extra half hour, however long it is, is just too much. Um, it is. That's... I watched a little bit of it. I went retroactively after Hell in a Cell and watched Reigns still be sort of terrible and only sound kind of like a real person on the <laughs> microphone, even though he's backstage. I don't know. It just, the cynicism of it just kind of gets to me because right. it's it's clearly not an original idea. You obviously give it to SmackDown because they have less, and then Raw thinks, oh, no, we'll just do it too. Right. Typical. But, What's this new show about, though? All right, this new show is 205 Live. It is going to be a cruiserweight-centered show on the network. So I haven't heard too many details about this yet, but... I am excited for this if they let them wrestle like cruiserweights. So so are they're still going to have all the cruiserweights on the main roster, but then the rest of them go to that show or what? I have no idea huh. because the cruiserweights all could come to SmackDown or some of them could, depending on what happens with Kalisto Kendrick. Um, Possibly could be a better fit on SmackDown. I, don't I, know. I agree. I think SmackDown would give them more time. and Even though it's a less less amount of time show but it makes no sense right <laughs> right like i had that thought earlier i was like they probably get more time and probably be a little bit more free creatively on smackdown and i just thought back it's like the three hour show doesn't give them enough time why and i'm not just saying like just longer matches but like storylines because i trust smackdown to deliver better stories now so it's apparently debuting the 29th um so i i really don't know what it's going to be hmm. but uh, we'll stay tuned for it. Uh, we might recap it, maybe. Okay. But uh, we'll have to see. So we'll stay tuned. But we're uh, we're we're. You got any matches this week? Um. Yes, actually. Uh, I brought in sort of an I- very ironic best. Um, a very very uh, bad match. Okay. From the archives. I had to go back and look for this because I'd heard of it, but I had never watched it before. And I was sick all weekend, so I had some time to watch these <laughs> things. So I had a time to dig through the old WCW pay-per-views. Nice. And I found Uncensored the pay-per-view. That is a pay-per-view that WCW did in 1996. And the match involved was a doomsday cage match, which you have never heard of before or again. <laughs> and I, I actually don't even know. They They might have done it again. But it is a match where it was the Mega Powers, who were by that point had moved to WCW. It was Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage against every and all available heels. It was, was it Lex Luger, the Horseman, the Dungeon of Doom, two, essentially two stuntmen from a movie. Uh, it was just absurd. And it followed a really, really bad street fight with Sting, too. Sounds entertaining. Yeah. And, okay, so here's the way it's set up. It's like multiple cages stacked on top of one another. And the premise is that nobody knows what's going on, and all the lights are off, and Hogan and Savage have to fight their way through the cages, which open at different times so all the heels can get to them at different times. So they can't even win for, like, the first 10 minutes of the match. And it's not even where the normal ring is. It's somewhere else, so nobody can see. It's a lot of bad punching and Hogan being gassed because he has to walk around a lot, so he has no idea what's going on. It's At one point, they start hitting each other with frying pans, uh, and then Ric Flair gets pinned. Like this 12-time world champion at that point took the pin, and that's how the match ended. Wow. So it's the most ridiculous piece of wrestling you might have ever seen, and it goes on forever. So you you should watch it. That is that is interesting. WCW definitely did some crazy match ideas back in that day. They were throwing everything out there. Yeah, just everything in the kitchen sink. I think yep. uh, you should watch this 
And if you watch this, you'll realize why the outsider, the outsiders and the NWO needed to come to WCW because Hogan wasn't doing the trick for him. Savage wasn't, nothing was working and it was all sort of miserable and just stalling. So they needed something to happen. So if you ever wonder why they had to have the NWO come in, watch this and you'll understand. <laughs> yeah, because until that point, yeah, when WCW was a little, uh, yeah, they, they needed something else yeah. for a moment. But um, My goodness. Jameson, I want you to watch this at some point. Too. I, mean, I will. I'll, I'll, I'll tune into that. That's something I would probably really enjoy. Yeah. Um, my match, which I haven't watched recently, but I brought up, um, earlier in the in the this this episode about Owens and Rollins being possibly this generation's Stone Cold versus The Rock, so I'd um, I'd say go back and watch Stone Cold and The Rock's best match. In my opinion, might not be in other people's opinion, but WrestleMania 17, 2001, um, just just it's just classic stuff from two of the the greats, two of the best of all time. Mister McMahon gets involved in the match. Um, pretty good stuff all the way around. So I would just say go watch that and just enjoy Joy 2, the best wrestlers we'll ever see. Yeah, agreed. And uh, Joy 2, the best WrestleMania ever, by far. Um, really great WrestleMania, really great main event. Um, they kill one another. They fight all over the arena. They're trying to go for their signature moves right away. It's a lot of fun. And it ends with Stone Cold, the hero of the people, selling his soul to Vince McMahon and just beating The Rock to death with a chair. It's the Attitude Era taking to the best place. It's yep. not like DX suck it attitude. It's just brutal. Yeah, it's brutal and violent, and it's unnerving. And then when he finally pins him, you realize that Stone Cold is sold out because he's become so paranoid about becoming champion that it's just gotten the better of him. So so that was awesome. Yeah, so, so maybe just watch the whole thing. Yeah, maybe watch that and not mine. Or if you're, <laughs> or if you're really curious... Check mine out too. Yeah, but uh, I'm gonna check yours out. I feel like it. Uh, that's something I'll watch. Yes, it is wonderful. You will like the NWO even more than you did <laughs> uh, coming into it. So definitely check that out. Anyway, uh, this has been Ringmasters Podcast. I'm Grant Lefave here with Jameson Galloway. Uh, you can give us a shout out on Twitter at Ringmasters CMU. Uh, Jameson, what's your Twitter? My Twitter is Jameson four two four. That's with an I. Jameson with an I. Jameson with an I, everybody. Yep. So my Twitter is at Grant underscore Lefave, L-E-F-A-I-V-E. And uh, give us a shout out if you got any questions for next week's show, um, any cool news, anything, just you know, give us a tweet. Uh, so until next time, see you then, Marks. Marks.